Good morning. I'd like to welcome everyone here uh, who's worshiping with us today. We're glad that you're here with us, and we'd love to have a record of your attendance, whether you are a longtime member or a visitor. I think everybody here is a longtime member, but uh, we hope that you would grab that pew pad and, and complete the information and pass that to your neighbors who are seated around you. We're also thrilled for those of you who are joining us at home today as well. Just a few quick announcements. Um, this week is our last Wednesday night of a bio, current Bible study, uh, and then following uh, this we'll have a new Bible study uh, for Lent, but on March 2nd we will have our Ash Wednesday worship, and so we hope that you make plans uh, to be here for us, with us, on uh, March 2nd for Ash Wednesday. Our worship will be at 6.30 following, I think it's going to be a soup luncheon, uh, soup dinner that day. Also, you'll notice in the bulletin that there is a younger youth retreat that's going to take place March 19th at Bree Memorial. If you're interested in that and you have a child or grandchild in grades 6 through 8, uh, you can uh, talk to us about registering for that as well. And also, if you have someone in your, uh, in your family that is getting ready to go to college or is in college, uh, we do have a college scholarship, and those applications are due uh, in about 10 days. So pay close attention to that. That stuff's listed in the bulletin as well. Again, we're thrilled that you're here worshiping with us. Uh, prepare your hearts for the prelude. Today the prelude's title is Meditation on Trust and it is arranged by David Stern. Let's prepare our hearts to worship the living God.
Our call to worship this morning is from Psalm 37, verses 3 through 6. Trust in the Lord and do good, so you will live in the land and enjoy security. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. He will make your vindication shine like the light, and the justice of your cause like the noonday. Come, let us worship the triune God. Our first hymn is number 819, Be Still My Soul. Please remember to wear your mask if you're going to sing.
Peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And also with you. Do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like one day. The Lord is not slow about this promise, as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Please join me in the prayer of confession. Almighty God, who does freely pardon all who repent and turn to him, now fulfill in every contrite heart the promise of redeeming grace, forgiving all our sins, and cleansing us from an evil conscience through the perfect sacrifice of Jesus our Lord. Amen. Friends, hear the good news. Who is in a position to condemn us? Only Christ. Yet we know that Christ came for us, He lived with us, He died for us. He rose again to a new life for us and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. The Apostle Paul reminds us that He prays for us. We know that in Christ's coming God was reconciling the world to Himself. That our old life is gone and a new life remains. So know that you have been forgiven and be at peace. And pray also for me a sinner. Amen. seated. Our Old Testament lesson this morning is from Genesis chapter 45 verses 3 through 15. <coughs> Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, so dismayed were they at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come closer to me. And they came closer. He said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not delay. You shall settle in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children, as well as your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. I will provide for you there, since there are five more years of famine to come so that you and your household and all that you have will not come to poverty. And now your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my own mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father how greatly I am honored in Egypt and all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, while Benjamin wept upon his neck. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them, and after that, his brothers talked with him.
may be seated. This time I invite the children forward for a children's sermon. Awesome. What do these buckets mean? Do you know? What does it say? Sensibility. And we, since I've been here, have never really gotten this right. What we're supposed to do is the week after we take communion, we're supposed to go around and collect all the scents that are out there in the people's pockets. And what does that money go to? Do you know what that money goes to? If you find a penny on its head, you can put it in the bucket and it helps out just as much as a penny on its tail. It could be lucky. But where does the money go? Do we know? The bank, okay, it goes to the bank. And then where does it go? Well, it goes to help people that are hungry, right? It goes to help people that are hungry. And the story that Miss Kathleen just read is about a time when um, some brothers of a guy named Joseph uh, lived in the land of Israel and they were hungry because there was a famine. You know what a famine is? Have you ever heard that word? Not a salmon, a famine. You know what a famine is? A famine is when there's no rain or there are a bunch of bugs and you can't grow food. And so people get probably pretty hungry when you can't grow food, right? I saw a guy dig it in the trash. You saw a guy dig it. Sometimes people have to dig in trash for food, yeah. And so when we take up this little offering, it helps people um, that need help with filling their bellies. My guess is, have you ever been hungry? Yeah, but you've never been so hungry that you probably have to dig through the trash, right? Have you had to dig through the trash? You have, no. I would not doubt if you had dug through the trash. That would, that would not surprise me if you, what? It was, uh, I told, I saw this video of this guy. He told his, like, like little brother to fake homeless. And there was a homeless guy right next to him. And he collected all the cents and money, and we gave it to the That's a great thing to do, to collect money for the homeless. A good thing. And that's kind of what we're doing today, Okay. So we're going to pray that people that experience hunger, not like the way we get hungry, like sometimes right before church is over, you get hungry and you wonder what's going to be for lunch, right? We don't have to worry too much because we're all going to eat something today. But there are people who might not get to eat today or even tomorrow. And so when we collect this money, it helps other people who are also helpers to give people food for them to eat. What, buddy? Dude, I saw this other video that they give like a lot of food. And that's what, we're, that's what we help do, is buy food, okay? So we're going to pray, and then we're going to ask God to help us make our sense and sensibility spread so that other people can eat today, okay? Let's pray. You ready? Dear God, you rock, and we love you. And we're so glad that we don't have to experience hunger on a regular basis. Please help us help others by collecting money and praying for people who are hungry. We love you. Amen. Okay, take some buckets around and see what we can gather. You want, we can get red. Blue, you want blue? You want yellow? Okay, you want two? Orange, red, purple, whatever that is? Okay.
careful not to beg. Well done. Good job. Yes, go sit down. Thank you. Our New Testament lesson today is from Luke's Gospel. We're actually picking up exactly where we left off uh, last week, so those of you that were here um, uh, probably remember some of that story from last week, but we're going to pick up at verse 27 and read through verse 38. Hear God's holy word. But I say to you that listen... Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies. Do good and lend expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure passed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap for the measure that you give with the measure you get back. May the Lord add blessing and understanding to the reading and hearing of His holy word. Let us pray. Holy God, we are thankful to receive your story. We're thankful, God, for the way that the story of your kingdom is told in the form of parable and command. We thank you, Lord, that Jesus was here on earth and taught us these things, and we ask now for your spirit to be with us to understand this teaching this day. We say all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. July 15th, 1975 was an important date between Russia, Soviet Union, and United States relations. I don't know how many of you all remember where you were on July 15th, 1975. You recall that? I wasn't born yet. It was about 11 months before I was born. Millions of people around the world watched as the two superpowers united in space, as the U.S. Apollo spacecraft united with the Soviet Soyuz capsule, and they stayed together for 47 hours. Now, what was unique to this time was that the Vietnam War had just ended in April uh, with the fall of Saigon, The Cold War was probably at its most heightened state since perhaps the Bay of Pigs. 
And this mission into space was one where astronauts and cosmonauts would do individual and joint experiments while the rest of the world was on pins and needles, wondering when World War III might break out. And as these two spacecraft docked together, there was suddenly a broadcast into the capsules, and it sounded something like this. sings that catchy tune is does anybody remember the name of that band? War. So ironically uh, they have a great song called Why Can't We Be Friends? And their kind of understanding as a band was that they wanted to be focused on ending conflicts globally, uh, nationally and locally. They wanted to end gang war in LA. They wanted to end turf wars between New York and LA. They wanted to end systemic poverty, they wanted to end racism, and they promoted unity around the globe. In fact, uh, when they first kind of became a band, Eric Burden of the Animals was the lead singer of the band, and, and it was one of the first bands that had uh, both African American and, and white people in the band together. And if you were a dork, like I would have been back then, you would have loved them, because the name of their album was Eric Burden Declares War. And then the entire song, or entire album, was about love and peace. And so I'm not really sure if the astronauts and the cosmonauts were surprised when that came together, if NASA you know, had planned this a long time before. But regardless, I think when that song started playing, as people were watching this broadcast on TV, there was a great sigh of relief, maybe even a chuckle, that why can't we be friends, the two greatest enemies on earth at the time. Why can't we be friends? There's an opportunity for enemies to perhaps become friends almost every day. Now, I've already said that this week's text picks up where we left off last week, and you heard my lament. I wanted to cram it all together. I wanted to preach on this one particular pericope because it makes so much more sense, but that's okay. But one of the things we have to remember from last week is that Prior to Jesus even beginning to speak, one of the words that Luke describes uh, Jesus by using is a, is a word called dynamis. Uh, it's where we get our word dynamic. But it describes the power with which Jesus enters a conversation. So he's coming down the mountain with his disciples, his followers, and he greets these people, and there's this dynamis about him. And that then uh, empowers and heals the people that are gathered around to hear Jesus speak. And in fact, he says the power came out of him and healed everyone. And so all these readers and hearers of this text 
at this time, they're, you know, they're reading this story collectively, and their, their minds are still kind of where we were last week. So this power that Jesus has to heal um, is there. They're also probably still connected to two chapters prior to this, because when they would have done the reading, it would have been all kind of at one time. There weren't these really chapters. So last, oh gosh, a few weeks ago I preached a, a sermon on Luke chapter 4, and in fact in Bible study this past Wednesday we talked about Luke chapter 4. But in Luke 4 it talks about how Jesus has the Spirit of God with him, and that his uh, the, 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 he, re, he stands up and reads the book of Isaiah from a scroll, and he says, today the will of God has happened to you, right? And there's this power that's with him. And so all of that kind of combines together into what's getting ready to happen next. So last week we learned that Jesus was with the crowds, he was on this flat place, and it's the Lucan version of what we call the Beatitudes, the blessings and the woes. And after the blessings and the woes, uh, Jesus says, it's time for you to take notice. Now in verse 20 he speaks to the disciples in a larger group, but today's, um, today's passage is a little bit larger than that. There's a shift in who the audience might be. So depending on what your Bible translation is, it probably comes out sounding something like, I declare to those who are listening um, to hear this. Now you could emphasize something neat that happens here. There's a, we're going to go a little bit grammar nerd. So this is a present participle. So the translation could be multiple, uh, multiple things here. But essentially what Jesus is saying is, I declare to those of you who are still listening. If you're still listening, I have something else to tell you. Now, why would Jesus say something like that? Well, if you remember from last week, the blessings and woes are not necessarily the easiest things to hear. Blessings to those who are poor today because they will inherit God. You know, woe to you who are rich. So what he's getting ready to say is him admitting people have probably already stopped listening because he's no longer healing He's getting kind of preachy. He's telling us what we have to do in life. So if you're still listening, pay attention. And all this power that flows from Jesus is dedicated to a very different world. It's God's world. The power level of, of the playing field will be way, way different. He's going to create a change in the world. And Jesus quickly lists a bunch of plural imperatives that describe behavior for those who are still listening. What's well, an imperative? Thou shalt, right? You must. Here's a command. You have to do this. You ready? Love. Thou shalt love. Thou shalt love your enemy. You have to do good. You have to pray for you have to bless, you have to give to, and you have to do for your enemy. If you want to follow Jesus, if you want to be part of the kingdom of God, you must love your enemy. Now I talked a little bit about this in Bible study on Wednesday. And, and I'll hit you with it a little bit today. For the most part, we can kind of surmise 
that the general mission statement of Jesus is love God and love neighbor. And that's not really new. Um, That comes to us from a really odd place called the Ten Commandments. So if you look at the Ten Commandments, we really don't split those as five and five. We split them as four and six. The first four commandments are about loving God. The next six commandments are about loving your neighbor. And when those were given to a people group, they were given to people who had been enslaved. And they were commanded by a different ruler, a different leader, Pharaoh, who made them do things that weren't necessarily normal to the way that they should have been living as Jewish people. So when they're out in the wilderness and and Moses receives these commandments from God and he walks in and he gives them to the people, the way that we hear them is, Thou shall not have any other gods before me. Thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall not. Right? What they were able to hear was, you no longer have to have other gods besides me. You no longer have to work on the Sabbath. You can keep it holy. You no longer have to steal from your neighbor. You no longer have to to covet what your neighbor has. You no longer are going to be forced to do any of these things. You're free under God to love God and to love your neighbor. And that's how we're going to be a community. Okay? That's the Ten Commandments in a nutshell. Every time I teach the confirmation class, that's what I tell them. It's not necessarily thou shalt not, it's you are now free to love only God. You don't have to love other gods. Nobody's commanding you otherwise. So when Jesus says you should love God, duh, every Jewish person that's hearing that gets that. Okay, we know that. All the prophets end up eventually saying you should love God. What Jesus suddenly changes is, you should love your enemy. They understand from Leviticus that you're supposed to love your neighbor. But ain't no place in the Old Testament that says, love your enemy. So Jesus says, if you want to be a part of this, you have to love those that hate you. Pray for those that persecute you. Give to those who steal from you. He's further unpacking this notion from the Ten Commandments that it's not simply just something that we do within community. We do it to people outside our community as well. Doing to others as yourself would be as you want to be treated, whether friend or enemy, this is a radical reinterpretation of social practice. Followers of Jesus are to do good to those that hate them. Bless them. Don't curse them. Pray for them. Pray for those who lie about you, who tell tells uh, tell tales about you. For those people that do that, pray for them. Now, how would you react? Would you still be listening? This is where Jesus started to lose followers. I'm all about you healing me, making me feel better. But if you're telling me I got to start loving those daggone Samaritans, or even worse still, I have to love the Romans, I'm out. This is something where 
Your future is determined based on past and present actions. If you want to be part of the kingdom of God, you must love those who have betrayed you, who will betray you. The reign of God is one which the poor will be blessed, but also one where enemies will be loved. So how would we react in this situation? How often do we want to treat our enemies with love? What would our country look like? A country that we all believe is founded upon Judeo-Christian principles. What would our country look like if our military defense budget was matched with aid to the countries that we aim to attack? Well, number one, we'd be paying a whole lot more taxes, right? What if, what if love actually changes things? What if we are the rich in Luke 6 rather than the poor? What if we want to be looked at as the poor victim who fights for the rights of Christianity, but we're scared to turn the other cheek? What if it actually means this is how we're supposed to treat people? What if the ideas of to thine own self be true, friends and family first? Let's help others before we let's help ourselves before we help others. What if that's actually set against the way that Christ wants us to be in the world? You know, I, I often have had to tell people in counseling which is different than like real world stuff. But if, if somebody's having kind of a crisis and they, they come to a minister for counseling and for help, nine times out of ten, one of their biggest frustrations is they do, they do everything for everybody else and they, they don't keep themselves well. Right? And so I give them an example. I say, okay, have you ever flown on a plane? Sometimes they have. If you haven't, I'll, I'll tell you what's going to happen. So when you get on a plane, those of us that don't pay attention to anything that the flight attendants tell us before we take off, one of the things that they say is if the airbags happen to fall from the ceiling, right, before you start saving all of your children and the people around you, what are we supposed to do? Put your air mask on yourself and then help others, right? Now, I think it's really weird that they have to tell us to care for ourselves first. Because in my experience, human nature, typically, we do a pretty daggone good job of caring for ourselves. I really think they're talking to the moms that are on the plane. I don't think they're talking to anybody else. I think it's the moms, because the moms are going to do what? They're going to grab all their children's masks and throw it on them, and then then maybe, if there's enough energy left, they'll put it on their, on their self, Right? But in counseling, I say, you really need to care for yourself. In order for you to care for others, you have to care for yourself. Which is the exact opposite of what Jesus says in the Bible right here. Jesus says, if someone has abused you, forgive them and do good for them. That is radically difficult to hear 
and even more difficult to tell someone else to do or put into practice. I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't want to love the people that have hurt me or hurt my children or my family. I don't want to do that. I don't want to turn the other cheek. I don't. I fully admit to you, I do not want to turn the other cheek. Now, maybe you do. Maybe you're a better human than I am, okay? Then this is just a sermon for Mark, and that's okay. But Jesus recognized that this is not easy to, to hear or do because Jesus said, if you're still listening, I've got more to say. And as he's preaching, this power that was there to heal people must have gone into the crowd. And I think they ignored him. And so there may be some of you today that are like, man, Mark, you're really being hard on us. Like, why are you telling us all this stuff? This is not, I don't, I don't want to hear this, Mark. This is not what I think we need to be talking about today. But I remind you, this is not Mark. This is Jesus. Be mad at him, not me. I don't want to do it either. I'm willing to bet if you were honest and not like, if you were all sitting in like individual pods and you couldn't let your neighbor see you today and I said, do you want to do this? You'd be like, no, I don't want to do it. But this is, this is tough. And Jesus kind of hits us even harder at the end. It's easy to love, to do for, to pray for, to give to those that you love. It's easy in your circle of trust to be a lender, to forgive, and to love. But even sinners do that. What makes a Christian is when you do it to someone outside your circle of trust. So why can't we be friends? Because it's too daggone easy to be friends and be a Christian. Jesus says, don't just love your friends, love your enemies. Do we want to be friends, live in our own homogenous echo chamber, and risk nothing? I do. <laughs> I want to be surrounded by people who think and act the way that I do. That's human nature, right? That's how we've been grouping ourselves together for thousands and thousands of years. But Jesus says, go bananas. Change the world. Love your daggone enemies. Love your enemies. I don't want to say it again, but love your enemies. So friends, what are we supposed to do? I think we're supposed to love our enemies. I think when Jesus says, love your enemies, he means love your enemies. So if we want to be people of the Bible, people of the new covenant, people of new and unending life, of love, of forgiveness, of reconciliation, if we want to be the church, then let's recognize this is only possible with the help of doing things, loving others, loving our enemies, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen.
Now let us stand and declare that which we believe in the recitation of the Apostles' Creed. <coughs> I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended to heaven. <clears throat> he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. This time we will continue our worship by the giving of our tithes and offerings. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, we thank you for the many gifts and blessings that you have granted to us in this life. God, as we have now returned a portion of these gifts to you, we ask for your wisdom to do your will. All this we say in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. As we come to our time of prayer today, um, certain Concerns that we have about enemies halfway around the world. I'm sure you've been paying attention. I've been praying about it. Uh, you've watched the news and know that Russia and Ukraine are on the, uh, the brink of attacking one another, defending on Ukraine's part. So uh, there were, on Facebook this past week, there were some people in a group that I'm a part of, PCUSA pastors, who said, how are, how are our churches addressing 
you know, what's getting ready to happen on a Sunday when we're supposed to, to learn about loving our enemies, how, how do we pray for what's getting ready to happen? And so I hope that all of us can pray uh, for both sides of that situation. We don't probably want to pray for one side over the other, but we want to pray the Russians who will die, the Ukrainians who will die. I want to pray for peace, that, that peace is still a possibility uh, this week ahead of us. There are also situations, I'm sure, of tumult in our own personal lives where we're experiencing tragedy and, and, and challenge. So we want to pray for those things as well. And with those lovely thoughts, let's uh, bind our hearts and minds together as we lift our petitions to our Lord and to our King. Let us pray. Holy God, you are truly amazing. You are glorious in ways that we cannot fathom. You are the creator, the creator of the entire cosmos. You are the one who has granted us life, granted us the ability to have peace, granted us the ability to, to extend grace to others as you have extended it to us. We come together now lifting our petitions to you, Lord. You know our thoughts, our hearts, our souls, before we name our concerns, you know them. We know, Lord, that your son prayed such diligent prayers that he often sweated in blood. We know, Lord, that it's painful sometimes to pray for what we know is about to happen, what we fear will happen. Lord, that haunts us that has happened. And yet we pray to you, God. We pray that you forgive our sins, that you forgive the sins of those who have sinned against us. God, we're thankful that we live in a country where we have the freedom to gather together to worship, to speak positively or negatively about our existence in this country. We're thankful for the freedom to, to gather and to huddle and to pray. We know that not every country in the world has that. God, as we saw pictures of Ukrainians gathering in parks and public spaces to pray together for their own safety, our hearts broke. We pray for our sisters and brothers in Ukraine who live in fear this day. We pray, Lord, for our sisters and brothers in Russia who have a completely different experience of what's about to happen. We pray for peace. We pray for cooler heads to prevail. We pray for our president, the leaders of our nations, as they make decisions about what to do next. We pray for our military. We're thankful for our military. We're thankful they exist to keep us free. We pray for a day, Lord, where they are no longer needed, where peace is the order of the day. We pray, God, for men and women prepared to fight on either side of this tragic occurrence. We pray, God, for the battles that exist in our own lives. Pray for those who we might think of as enemies, those who have wronged us, who have afflicted us. We hear your words, Lord, and we
don't always want to respond the way that you want us to. So be patient with us as we learn to do your will. We pray today for those who will hunger, who will literally pray for their daily bread. Pray, God, for those who are seeking employment, seeking a home, seeking to be together with their families. Pray, God, for those who are still healing in the hospitals. We're thankful for that they've answered the call to the ministry of healing. We pray for the sick. We pray, God, for this money that we've collected today that will go to feed the hungry. Multiply it, Lord. Because we are a community of faith, God, we also pray for those who are seated to our right and to our left, in front of us and behind us. And in the stillness of this moment, Lord, we pray for ourselves. God, we are amazed by your grace and the glory of your ways. We do thank you that you sent your Son to earth that he showed us how to live and taught us also to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Please stand as you are able for our closing hymn, hymn number 318, In Christ There Is No East or West.
those of you that are on session, hopefully you got the email that we're having a brief session meeting after worship today. Those of you on the mission committee, uh, feel free to come to the session meeting if you want to, because it's going to be so short that we're going to just jump right into the missions committee. And if you happen to be a trustee, we'd love for you to be at the session meeting to talk about what we have to talk about. So hint, hint, please come to the foyer. You know, it's, it, I almost went into a little bit of a storytelling of the Old Testament text today because it's, um, it's, it's really kind of interesting how the people that put the lectionary together kind of formulate that. So it's as if uh, maybe the lectionary was placed together at a time where everybody knew Bible stories and they know the whole story of Joseph and his brothers. And so today we just get this snapshot of Wow, they're reunified. But how many of you know the entire story? Can you do you know the story of Joseph and his brothers pretty well, fairly well? So, this is like the most loving your enemies story in the Old Testament, right? Those of us that don't remember the story too well, I'll give you a recap. Joseph's brothers hated him so much that they threw him into a pit, stole his cloak that his father made for him, soaked it in sheep's blood sold him into slavery to vagabonds headed towards Egypt, who then sold him into slavery in Egypt. He was beaten there. He was imprisoned there. He was accused of terrible, horrific crimes. And then he had visions, and he was able to save Egypt. And then he was kind of raised to this position of power. Second only to Pharaoh. Brought them out of famine. Planned ahead. His brothers, thinking that he was long since dead are so desperate and hungry that their father says, just try to go get us something. Try to trade for something with Egypt. And they get there, and he's at first very mean. And he pretends to know them and says, you know, where, where is you? You have another brother. His name is Benjamin. They're like, how did he know that we had a brother named Benjamin? They said, I'm not going to answer any of your requests until you get your whole set of brothers here. And so then they go back, they're like, Benji, you got to come. Come on, you got to come along with us. So he gets there, and then he wants to be mean again and says, where is your father? This is not all the, the members of your family. And then he can't hold this like hard face thing anymore, and he breaks down and he cries. And he says, it's me, Joseph, your brother. And they're like, we thought we killed that dude. What's, this is an Egyptian. What's going on? If ever there was a time to do that whole payback as you know what. It was as second in command to Pharaoh when all the brothers that beat you up, threw you in a pit, sold you into slavery, made your life miserable, are standing before you begging for food. But God's plan from the beginning has been to love your enemies. Forgive those who have wronged you. And then the story that we read today is a story where Joseph hugs his brother Benjamin. They weep on each other's shoulders. He hugs each and every brother. He gives them all kinds of great food. It's amazing. And if the book of Genesis were the last book that we got to read in the Torah, you would think it was happily ever after. Unfortunately, Exodus comes next, and we find out, no, the Egyptians want to slaughter all the Jews, and so it got really bad, right? So when Jesus is talking about loving your enemies, one of the things that they have to be reminded of constantly, remember, you were enslaved in Egypt, but I brought you out of that. And so now Jesus says, love your enemies. Guess who Jesus means? 
Love the Egyptians that murdered your families thousands of years ago. Love them. It's hard, folks. It's hard to be a Christian. It's easy to be a friend. It's hard to be a Christian. And so I hope that today you've realized that I lament alongside you. This thing's really, really hard. It's, it's not the easiest thing we're ever going to do. But we've got to try. And if we can think in the back of our minds that cosmonauts and astronauts coming together as those capsules joined together for 47 hours, first word, why can't we be friends? That's maybe the goal, right? Is to eventually be friends. But also at the same time, even if we don't, we're supposed to love them. So with that in mind, receive the blessing of the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. May it be with us all until we meet again, either here or his glorious kingdom come. Amen and amen. Happy Sunday. How are you today?